In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Magic mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? A question you're perhaps familiar with, thanks to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. There's nothing magic, though, about the mirror that we look into today as Jesus raises the widow's son at Nain. In seven short verses, today's Holy Gospel moves from a tragic mirror of death to a joyful mirror of life. Luke tells us a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. Shedding bitter tears, the woman was robbed of her last earthly means of support. At least she had a considerable crowd of people with her, perhaps showing the prestige and popularity of the stricken family. Every time you come upon a funeral procession as you drive down the road, or every time you attend either a visitation or a funeral service, you too look into the mirror of your own mortality. Right right now, even as I speak, there are a ceaseless procession of corpses that are taking place all over planet Earth. And death does not spare Nain a community in Galilee on the northern slope of Mount Hermon. Nain means the beautiful place, but death makes Nain a little less beautiful, especially with the death of the widow's son. Death knows no distinction of sex, position in life, marital status, age, or even special circumstances. If death did take note of special circumstances, then this widow would be spared not only the burial of her son, but also of her husband. Magic mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Don't look now, but your fair-haired self ages every second of every day. Your life is a march to the grave. Holy Scripture says it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. The psalmist sings in Psalm 90, The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Do not get too adjusted to the way of things in this life, because it will soon be over. It's like a punk rock song that was popular when I was a young child. Four words, birth, school, work, death. And they keep saying it through the whole song. It's the chorus, birth, school, work, death. Imagine if somebody asks you this week, how you doing? Instead of saying, I'm propitiated, you can say, well, you know, birth, school, work, death. But that is how it is for those who know not Christ's salvation or believe it. That is life. And many are okay with it. Birth, school, work, death, the end. The death of the widow's son at Nain is also, though, a joyful mirror of life. Just before our Lord passes through Nain, he heals a centurion's servant In this case, Jesus didn't even need to be present in the centurion's servant's place. Just say the word, Lord, and my servant will be healed. 
But now Jesus stares death face to face. Perhaps his forthcoming death and resurrection come to mind as he sees that funeral procession, as he sees this widow. And he most certainly did see this widow in her grief. He also saw her trembling heart, and it made our Lord's guts churn. That's the word for compassion in the original language of the New Testament. Here's your Greek vocabulary word for the day. The word is splunkna. Yeah. It's an onomatopoeia word because it sounds like what it is. They get the word, do the Greeks, splunkna, from the sound that happens when you cut open an animal's guts and pull it out and throw it on the floor or on the table. It makes a sound, doesn't it? Rumpf, shunk, splunkna. Guts, moving. That's compassion. You might say, our Lord's guts churned for the woman. And they did. But Jesus doesn't just stop there, give her a pious platitude, and goes on his way. For you see, our Lord Jesus never meets a corpse that didn't sit up at once. And it all starts with three words. Do not weep. Now, mom and dad taught you, when you go to a visitation, whether at the funeral home or at the church, or when you see the loved ones of someone who has just recently died, you don't go up to them, give them a hug or a pat on the back or a handshake or whatever, and say, don't cry. It's normal and natural to cry. It's part of the grieving process, and you don't want to stop it. If anything, you want to give that person the hope, the sure and certain hope of the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come, especially if the deceased was a Christian. But Jesus, however, does what mom and dad told us not to do. Don't cry. Probably sounded to the woman like some sort of off-putting offense. But Jesus this time means it. He doesn't commit a funeral faux pas. He is preparing this woman for the inevitable. He meets death head on and contends with it the only way he knows how. He calls the young man to life. He fills the hearts of mother and mourners with such joy that they loudly praise God with childlike fear and can't help but tell others the things that they have seen and heard. Jesus, too, has contended with your death. The prince of life who died now reigns immortal, and because he lives, the scriptures say, you too shall live. His work of reconciliation for you and for the world sounds like what the prophet Ezekiel said. And when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, live. I said to you in your blood, live. Live. Imagine it. But you don't have to imagine it because it actually happened. It happened on the day of your baptism when the word with the water and the mandate of our Lord Jesus Christ was splashed upon you. And in that splashing and speaking came the words, live. And you do. You did that day. You still do right now. 
You will not die the second death because Jesus has died his death to wipe out the second death. Yes, you will die because you are sinful. But Jesus also one day will return to judge the living and the dead and he will stand over the grave, your grave, and he will say your name. And you know what he'll say? Live! And up you go, right out of the grave, like a catnap that you took before the Packer game yesterday. You wake up refreshed. You wake up full of joy because our Savior's voice, the word that he spoke, the same word that he spoke to the centurion servant without even being near him, the same word that he spoke this day to the widow's son at Nain, laying on the bier. Live. You will have a new body. You will be a new creation. It's yours already, right now, but not in its fullness. Someday it will be, and we look forward to it very much. So does Holy Scripture. The words prepare us so. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Look again and again into this mirror of joy, especially when sin and distress plague you. Don't worry about how you look because it doesn't matter. Because of Jesus, you look perfect in the Father's eyes. Take a deep look also when Christian loved ones are snatched away by death. And we can think of many even in this hour. Many who once sat in these pews, just like you. Many people whom you work with, either as an officer in this congregation or in an auxiliary of the congregation. Maybe you sang in choir with them. Maybe you worked on a project and maybe you had a fight with them at one point, but you made up. And maybe you probably didn't care for them too much, but you still love them because you miss them. Maybe it's a family member. I lost my dad three years ago this past summer. And I miss him every day. I lost a brother three years ago too. I think of the first funeral that I did as a pastor around this time of the year, 20 years ago. A man in his late 70s who was six weeks away from getting remarried to his love of his life. And he died in a car crash, mere miles from his fiancé's house. And I got to go to be with the family to tell his fiancé that five minutes after she saw him last and they had said their evening prayers together before he went home, he was killed. I'll see him again. And so will you, even though you don't know who he is. And I'll see many of your loved ones too, and I don't know who they are, but that's okay. In the resurrection, we'll know each other as we are known now in Christ. The deepest look into the mirror of joy, beloved, happens when that hour comes for you. And unless Jesus returns, it will. Even in your weak state at that time, even in that last fleeting moment, you can stare death in the eye. And not blink. Just like Job. 
For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Just like St. Paul. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Martin Luther, who adapted an ancient hymn and turned it into a funeral hymn. A hymn of joy. He asks, in the midst of death's dark veil, powers of hell overtake us. Who will help when they assail? Who secure will make us? It won't be your clothing. It won't be your home. It won't be your land, your animals, or anything else that you have. Luther answers the question. Thou only, Lord. Thou only. We are an Easter people, and Alleluia is our song. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.